It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 376 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Short Show. It is September 10, 2022, and this is Jen. So here's why we are doing a very short show this time around. First of all, there's not a heck of a lot of news to be shared in the Diablo type stuff. Um, It is my understanding some people are very mad about Overwatch 2, but I couldn't quite figure out why, so I don't have that in here. But the bigger reason is Sean and I are in California. We're in the midst of a huge heat wave that's been, uh, there's been at least a day that was in the 100 degree area, and it's been in like the early you know like the 90s since then i think today was a little less temporarily we currently have a what's it a hurricane coming off the coast it's not going to hit us it's hopefully going to send us some rain that we desperately need in addition to that the pollen count has been in the 10s or 11s for about a week or so which is terrible for me i now have a sinus infection so i can't really put a long show together this time but i can give you what i did find Before I go into that, I just want to say that one of the things I've been doing other than Diablo stuff and uh, Shattered Soulstone stuff is I've been playing TTRPG games with a really fun group of people on Restless Barbarian Gaming. You can find them on Twitch and also on YouTube and, you know, watch our videos. There's a bunch of stuff we have going on today at the time. Well, I guess technically yesterday now at the time that I'm recording this, we did a Hunter the Reckoning game and just got started with a group of players and it was so much fun and it is it is a creepy game. It's one of those games that has like the content warning at the beginning because it's going to get scary and creepy and icky and all of that kind of thing and all of us are here for it. So it was really fun to do that today. Fantastic group of people I play with. Some of the same group is also playing in a Prowlers and Paragons TTRPG game where we're all superheroes of one kind or or another. And you can see those also on Twitch and uh, YouTube at Restless Barbarian Gaming. With these, we've got the different characters kind of having different playlists of their episodes i guess we're calling them issues like a comic book so it's been really fun and sometime in january we're gonna pick up the blood in the water vampire game again so that's that's what's coming up for me you know with this sort of thing but we just did the hunter game today and i'm so excited or yesterday and i'm so excited about where it's gonna go and i figured i'd just tell you all in case any of you are into that kind of thing so here's what i have related to activision blizzard king the life at blizzard account highlighted uh minka lee monica lee minka lee is her her twitter account she is a game producer on the overwatch team and there is a link attached to that tweet that says apply below to join our team so here is a little bit about her quote 
She wrote this. I've been at Blizzard for my entire professional career and have been on three different teams with consumer products, B and OP, and now the Overwatch development team. I still feel I have so much to learn and so many opportunities to take advantage of. The deep wealth of knowledge and talent from the people at Blizzard is so awe-inspiring. And that's from Monica Lee, game producer. Every so often, life at Blizzard highlights some people and kind of lets you know what they do at Blizzard. So I think that's kind of cool. So when I find it, I do try to bring it into the show. California's got another lawsuit against uh, Activision Blizzard King, and I'm reading this from Game Developer, and it was originally posted on Bloomberg, but those of you that have tried to read Bloomberg just from, you know, somebody's tweet or just if you go to the site or something like that, it's typically hidden behind a paywall, so when I can avoid... You know, the whole paywall problem, I will go to sites like this one that, you know, have read the Bloomberg thing and can kind of tell us all what it said. So this particular article is titled, California Lawsuit Accuses GameStop, GameStop, sorry, I thought it was Activision Blizzard King. I mean, you can see why I'd make that mistake. California Lawsuit Accuses GameStop of Wiretapping Sharing Customer Data. So GameStop's been in some trouble lately with, uh, there was like a stocks thing a while back where they were like a meme stock, I think is how you call those. And then there's all this other stuff. They fired a bunch of people recently, that kind of thing. But here's, here's the thing. Filed in California, a new class action lawsuit alleges that GameStop has been recording customer support conversations without consent and selling conversations to a third party. This is written by Justin Carter, a contributing editor. This was written on the 8th of September. A new class action lawsuit in California has been filed against GameStop, accusing the retailer of recording customer support conversations without customer consent. First reported by Bloomberg, the lawsuit also alleges that GameStop has been sharing the transcripts of those conversations with the third party. Filed by plaintiff Miguel Lycia in a federal court, his lawyers wrote that by using the chat feature on its website, GameStop, quote, covertly wiretaps the communications of all visitors and shares the secret transcripts of those wiretaps with a third party that boasts of its ability to harvest personal data from the transcripts for marketing and other purposes. That third party is said to be the customer support platform Zendesk. Lycia's lawsuit alleged that the platform, quote, publicly boasts about its ability to harvest highly personal data from chat transcripts for sales and marketing purposes, end quote. Recording conversations without consent violates California's Invasion of Privacy Act, or CIPA. That's been around for a while. This is not a new law or act. This has been around for quite some time. So they should have known better. Per the act, websites can't make transcripts of conversations or give those transcripts to a third party without the explicit consent of all previous parties involved. Most companies, acknowledged Lycia, comply just by telling visitors that conversations are being recorded. Quote, consumers would be shocked and appalled to know that defendant secretly creates transcripts of those conversations and shares them with Zendesk, continued the lawsuit. At the time of writing, GameStop has yet to issue a statement regarding Lycia's lawsuit. This marks the second lawsuit of the year for GameStop. In May, the retailer was sued by former New York employee Trevon, Trayvon Mack 
for labor violations. Mack argued that under the New York law, employees should be paid weekly rather than bi-weekly. Well, if your company is paying bi-weekly, you're probably losing money and can't afford to pay weekly, but that's still not the right thing to do to your customers or your your. Yeah, your people working there. And I imagine if you have to, like, if you have to do all your regular hours and then you don't get paid until two weeks later, I mean, I feel like customer service is probably going to drop in the stores and things like that. But, you know, whatever. The Verge wrote an article on September 1st, and it's titled this, Microsoft pleads for its Activision Blizzard deal as UK regulator signals in-depth review. Now, on the previous show, I did mention that the UK regulators were intending to do like a second review over the Microsoft Blizzard or Activision Blizzard King uh, merger, acquisition, whatever it's called now. I think it's acquisition. So I'm not surprised this is happening. The little blurb under here says Microsoft's giant $6.87 billion is still months away from closing. It probably missed a word in there. This is written by Tom Warren on September 1st. And he wrote this. Microsoft is publicly pleading for its Activision Blizzard deal to go ahead, just as the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, has expressed concerns. Microsoft surprised the gaming world earlier this year with plans to acquire Activision Blizzard in a $68.7 billion deal, by far the biggest ever in gaming, and now regulators are starting to take notice. The UK CMA says it's, quote, concerned that Microsoft's anticipated purchase of Activision Blizzard could substantially lessen competition in gaming consoles, multi-game subscription services, and cloud gaming services. After an initial research phase, the CMA is signaling it will move to what it calls a phase two investigation if Microsoft isn't able to answer its questions, sorry, concerns within five working days. A phase two investigation will see an independent panel examine Microsoft's deal in more detail and whether control over games like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft will harm rivals. In response, Microsoft's gaming CEO... Microsoft Gaming CEO and head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, has spelled out Microsoft's position in a blog post today, and that's one that I read on the previous show. I don't think I read this one on the previous show. Uh, Shattered Soulstone, anyway. Uh, Detailing Microsoft's plans for gaming beyond just Xbox consoles, Spencer says the company will pursue a, quote, principled path, end quote, in its approach to Xbox Game Pass and Call of Duty. Microsoft says it will make Overwatch, Diablo, and Call of Duty all accept- all available in Xbox Game Pass, but not prevent games like Call of Duty from being available on PlayStation. Because we all know it's over there pretty much exclusively, is my understanding. Here's a quote from Phil Spencer. We've heard that this deal might take franchises like Call of Duty away from the places where people currently play them, says Spencer. That's why, as we've said before, we are committed to making the same version of Call of Duty available on PlayStation on the same day the game launches elsewhere. Spencer likens Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal to the company's $2.5 billion acquisition of Minecraft. Quote, we know players benefit from this approach because we've done it with Minecraft, which continues to be available on multiple platforms and has expanded to even more since Mojang joined Microsoft in 2014, says Spencer. 
Brad Smith, Microsoft's president and vice chair, is even more direct about the Call of Duty situation. Quote, we're ready to work with the CMA on the next steps and address any of its concerns. Sony, as the industry leader, says it is worried about Call of Duty, but we've said we are committed to making the same game available on the same day on both Xbox and PlayStation. We want people to have more access to games, not less. And uh, there's another thing here. Microsoft has also previously argued that not distributing games like Call of Duty at rival console stores, quote, would simply not be profitable for the company. In documents submitted to Brazil's Administrative Council for Economic Defense, CADE regulator, the company says a strategy of not distributing Activision Blizzard games on rival consoles would only be profitable if the games could attract a high number of players over to the Xbox ecosystem, resulting in revenue to compensate for losses from not selling these titles on rival consoles. While the FTC, that's the American one, CMA, that's the UK one, and the European Commission, that's the EU, are still analyzing Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal. Saudi Arabia became the first country to approve the acquisition last month. And it goes on from there. And um, so that's still going on. Here's an article from Ars Technica written on September 7th by Kyle Orland. The title of this one is Sony calls Microsoft's three-year Call of Duty sharing offer, quote, inadequate. Is anyone surprised by this? I'm not surprised by this. This is going to be a fight between these two, I think, that is going to go on for a while. So here is what Kyle Orland wrote. PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan says a Microsoft offer to keep the Call of Duty franchise on PlayStation for, quote, three years after the current agreement was, quote, inadequate on many levels and failed to take account the impact of our gamers. In a statement provided to multiple outlets, including the Financial Times, Ryan said that, quote, We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, end quote, even if Microsoft's proposed $68.7 billion bid to buy Activision Blizzard is approved. Quote, Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle, Ryan said. I'm not sure how it does, but Jim Ryan, CEO of PlayStation, seems to think it's a problem. There's a little more in here. Ryan's statement comes days after Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer told The Verge that his company had signed a January agreement, quote, to guarantee Call of Duty on PlayStation with feature and content parity for at least several more years into the, cur- the current Sony contract, an offer that goes well beyond typical gaming industry agreements, end quote. Ryan's new statement suggests that Spencer's, quote, several more years would specifically cover three Three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. Sony and Activision's current agreement is believed to cover the next three Call of Duty releases, including this year's Modern Warfare 2, according to GamesIndustry.biz. That means a proposed three-year extension of that agreement could take Call of Duty's annual PlayStation releases through 2027. While Ryan said Wednesday that he, quote, hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business discussion, end quote. He's is speaking out now because he, quote, feels the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into 
the public forum, end quote. Spencer's recent statements followed a February announcement from Microsoft that, quote, Call of Duty and other popular Activision titles, end quote, will be, quote, available on PlayStation beyond the existing agreement and into the future so that Sony fans can continue to enjoy the games they love, end quote. And then we're going back to talk about um, the UK competition thing and the Brazil one that's in here, but I kind of already talked about that, so I'm going to move on. I did find a Bloomberg article I could read without a paywall behind it. It was written by Jason Schreier Schreier, on September 9th. And uh, it's titled, Video Game Industry Still Has Much to Learn About Excessive Overtime. So this isn't specifically about the uh, Xbox, Activision, Blizzard acquisition and all of that. This is about crunch, basically, is what I think this is going to talk about. So there's just a little bit in here um, that's been highlighted Uh, Here, I'll just start with the crunch part. Crunch culture rears its head. In the 1990s and early 2000s, video games were created by brute force. Lots of people put many hours of hard work into design and code, sacrificing nights and weekends, and often their families, for art. Since then, the industry has become more professional. Crunch is an industry term for excessive overtime. It is still persistent, but is less tolerated, and companies such as Electronic Arts Inc. and Rockstar Games have made efforts to improve work-life balance for their employees. But there are still some leaders living in the past, as game development veteran Glenn Schofield showed over Labor Day weekend with a tweet about his team. Schofield, the the chief executive officer of San Ramon, California-based Striking Distance Studios, has been on a press tour promoting his upcoming action horror game, The Callisto Protocol. Quote, I only talk about the game during an event, he wrote on Twitter on Saturday. We are working six to seven days a week. Nobody's forcing us. Exhaustion, tired, COVID, but we're working. Bugs, glitches, perf fixes, one last pass through audio, 12 to 15 hour days. This is gaming, hard work, lunch, dinner, working. You do it because you love it. That's... His tweet, basically. A sentiment like that may have gone unnoticed 20 years ago, but last weekend it was widely pilloried. Game developers and pundits criticized Showfield for glorifying the type of attitude that has caused health issues, ruined relationships, and burned countless people out of the game industry. To see him say that his team put in long hours because they, quote, love, end quote, the work, came off as particularly out of touch. Given his position as head of the company and as the guy who controls all of those people's salaries and career opportunities, who's going to be the employee to tell the CEO that actually they're going home at 6 p.m because they don't love the work. Showfield has since backtracked. Good. On Wednesday, he addressed staff at Striking Distance Studios and apologized for his tweet, according to two people in attendance. He said he'd spent the weekend, quote, learning, end quote, and vowed to do better on the next game. He also apologized publicly a few hours after the original tweet, writing that, quote, we value passion and creativity, not long hours. I'm sorry to the team for coming across like this, end quote. And as is often the case, 
His comment didn't apply to all of the more than 200 of the company's workers. Over the past week, uh, the person writing this, who is Jason Schreier, said, Over the past week, I spoke to five striking distance employees about Schofield's comments. Some said they were working long hours. Others said they weren't, but acknowledged that a few teams, such as audio and various support areas, were indeed putting in nights and weekends to finish the game, which is due out in December. It kind of goes on from here. Uh, In a written statement to Game On, Schofield said that he doesn't, quote, subject my teams, end quote, to, quote, mandatory, end quote, overtime, but that parts of his staff are, quote, working hard for a few weeks, end quote, as they finish the Callisto protocol. Quote, I've been listening to feedback and I realize that I've had a blind spot when it comes to the unintended consequences of long hours, even when they're optional, he said. The buck stops with me and I'm using this experience as a catalyst for change. Despite the backtracking, says Jason Schreier, I think Schofield's original tweet is worth some dissection, particularly the phrase, nobody's forcing us. On the surface, it's a little silly. Of course nobody's forcing you. You're the head of the company, but beneath it is something more insidious. As any game developer can attest there are many different kinds of crunch sometimes it's mandatory sometimes it's voluntary often the former can be healthier than the latter when your boss tells you that you'll be working monday and wednesday nights plus saturdays for the next four weeks it means there's a clear plan and an end in sight when the month is over everyone can go back to working normal hours but most of the time when a video game studio suffers from crunch culture it's not coming from above nobody's asking people to put in extra hours some might do it anyway because they're workaholics by nature, because they're young and don't yet have families, or because they care deeply about making the game as great as possible. In theory, that might sound fine, but because video game development consists of so many dependencies, a single designer might rely on the work of a programmer, an audio engineer, and an artist, among others. One person working extra hours might force their colleagues to put in the same workload in order to keep up. It becomes an indefinite grind as a natural part of the office is fluorescent lights and bad coffee when crunch culture exists at a game studio nobody needs to be asked to stay late they're just there and this kind of goes on to talk about how brutal things are and and that sort of thing it's a really long article i didn't read you the whole thing but you can check it out if you want to everything that i talk about on the show uh will be linked into the show notes at shatteredsoulstone.com Blizzard Watch, which is not actually part of Blizzard, it reports on the games about Blizzard, is looking for new writers. And they've got this post here that says, Blizzard Watch is looking for new writers to help us cover Dragonflight, which is World of Warcraft, Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, and more. And here's some information about that. As the release dates for Dragonflight, Wrath Classic... Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 approach, we're looking to expand our staff with new regular contributors, and maybe you could be one of them. Uh, Though it isn't a 9-to-5 job with fixed shifts or quotas, we are looking for people who will be around to write regularly to help us stay on top of the news. This is a paid freelance position to anyone 18 and over. No day is quite the same with Team Blizzard Watch. Some days have nonstop news to be written and other days are quieter, giving us more time to brainstorm for article ideas. We are looking for writers who can help us through all of it. Sound interesting? Here's what we expect of our writers. So here's some stuff. Uh, A writing style that fits Blizzard Watch. You should be able to write conversationally and clearly convey knowledge in a way that's accessible and helpful for both newbies and veterans. We write a lot of how-tos and explainers where it's important to be able to break topics, sometimes complicated topics, down in a way that readers can easily understand. 
the ability to format your own posts. So I think that's pretty obvious. You'll be writing and formatting your own posts in WordPress, as well as adding relevant links, videos, and images where appropriate. I'm kind of not giving you all of the full details here, but enough where you can decide if this is something for you. Quick post turnaround sometimes. When and how quickly you can get work done is also important. News posts are typically 300 to 500 words, and we usually turn them in on the same day. And the case of in the case of big breaking news, even faster. Longer feature posts are typically around 1,000 words, and we usually want them turned in within a week. Regular contributions. While we don't have strict writing quotas, we need people who can be around regularly to flesh out day-to-day content. Ideally, that means four or five posts a week of varying lengths or 20 to 30 posts a month. Someone who can bring ideas to the table. Though we maintain a list of posts that need to be written for writers to claim, we love it when writers pitch ideas. Your editors can't be everywhere or know everything, and it's great when writers bring up news or ideas they'd like to write and responsive to feedback, which is As a freelance writer myself, that's something you have to have if you're working with any company that's hiring freelancers. You have to be ready for them to say, okay, that's not quite what I wanted. Can you fix this? Or we really were hoping you could go that direction. Can you do one on that? You know, that type of thing. You have to be used to that. So that's what they've written. These are the games they're looking for writers for. WoW Classic, WoW Professions, and or Gold Making. The Diablo franchise, particularly Diablo 2, Overwatch, D&D, and other tabletop content. If you aren't an expert in one of those topics, it isn't a deal breaker, but we are looking for staff in, uh, to staff up in these areas. And you can apply by clicking on a link on their website. You have to submit this application by September 15, 2022 to be considered. And now we're going to move over into Diablo 2. There is a rather long blue post from Pez Radar on the Diablo 2 forums. It's titled, A Quick PTR Slash 2.5 Update. It was written on September 6th, and it's a lot. And if you haven't seen it, this is what he wrote. Hey all, apologies for the silence on the PTR front, but we wanted to provide a few updates here. The team was spending the last week going through the survey information and community reports from the PTR. There may be another iteration of PTR as the team wants to implement some items based off the feedback, but that's still being determined. We are running up against some scheduling timelines and I want to make sure we can get 2.5 out the door sooner rather than later and get season two kicked off for ladder. Extending PTR to continue to... to test and iterate will of course hold those two dates back we are going to see if we can fit something in the existing timeline for right now but if we can't we may use some of the buffer between patch 2.5 hitting and season 2 starting to ensure we can get some additional game time from from players on some of the terror zone items so this is specifically about the terror zone stuff and i thought it was d2 well anyway i'm not sure Terror zones. I'm not exactly sure what this is about. Some top-level items from the feedback. Players were noticing some zones were kind of not great for terror zones, so expect some to be moved out and some others be moved in. Players found that some of the TZ terror zone content to be easy, but we also can determine what characters played on the PTR who offered that specific feedback, and we noticed a lot of this game came from Hammerdin players. The team has some ideas on this, and we will be sharing that soon. I expected to create a big, a bit of a shift in build slash class opportunities 
opportunities for players. We will have more info on unlock conditions for terror zones and how long each zone will be terrorized as well. We appreciate those who offered their thoughts on this. Lastly, I know there were a lot of voices wanting this in SP. I can say that it is being looked into, but for now, I would expect this to be a ladder two feature, or excuse me, ladder season two feature, as we are able to make tweaks to online numbers on the fly while SP has different values for XP and needs to be tuned differently. The desire is high, but we want to get this nailed down for ladder play first, and we'll move into looking at it for offline afterwards. Lastly, I wanted to clear up on the season two timing as there is a bunch of confusion on this, and honestly, it's 100% understandable why there is this confusion. Before season one began, we had noted we were aiming to have seasons last four months. We are obviously past that timeline, and to be 100% honest, we didn't plan very well on our end for that date. Terror Zones was a cool feature we wanted to nail correctly as it teetered back and forth in the line of, should we do this or not? And many times throughout development, and with that, it caused a little bit of a delay on the season transition. I just wanted to state that and apologize for that murkiness around when that season transition would occur. We are looking at mitigating this issue for future seasons in D2R. The current order of operations is we will end PTR here soon and start submission for the final builds on 2.5 and get that out to everyone on the live environment. Season 1 to Season 2 will happen fairly immediately. We expect Season 2 to start a week or two after 2.5 hits, and we and so we have a date to everyone that is aligned and knows about it. Season 1 will literally end the second we transition to Season 2. For example, Season 1 will go 4.59, p.m. Pacific time, and Season 2 will begin at 5 p.m. Pacific time. More dates to become aligned here in the coming week and we'll provide updates to give a better window on the 2.5 and season two for the community. So that's what's going on there. Let's go back to Diablo Immortal and the Orb Debt, which I talked about last time. PC Games N has a little more information about what happened other than what I said last time around. Uh, this article is titled Diablo Immortal Whale Asks Blizzard for Rollback from 34K Orb Debt. And there's a blurb under that title. Diablo Immortal Whale Player asks Blizzard to roll back his character after removal of third-party purchases lead to $34,000 in game orb debt in the fantasy RPG. This is written by Ken Alsop, as published on September 7. A Diablo Immortal Whale who says he, quote, owes Blizzard $34,000, end quote, following the removal of third-party eternal orb purchases from his account, calls for a character rollback. As everyone comes to term with the phrase Diablo Immortal Orb Debt following Blizzard's recent clampdown on purchases from third-party websites in the fantasy game, some affected players are trying to appeal for clemency from Blizzard. And there's a guy's name here I've never seen before, so I may mess this up. It looks like Silky Pico, a high-spending player who now faces an eternal orb debt of 2 $2.4 million in the action RPG game. They're not really saying Diablo Immortal very much, are they? <laughs> you know? uh, that he estimates would cost around $34,000 USD worth of in-game microtransactions to pay off as it asked Blizzard for an option for individual character rollback as an alternative for paying back the orb amount. Quote, the option should have been given to me is A, pay back what you owe, which is $34,000, or B, we will roll back your account to a date before the toxic assets were added. Admitting to his use of third-party, quote, black market services, parentheses, which he says took place between August 1 and 8, 
and were the result of a payment loophole originating in Asia, end quote, Silky Pico says he'd be happy to accept the punishment of having his levels and gear returned to where they were at in July. In fact, he doesn't think it would be too much of a problem. Quote, The way that the server Paragon system is designed, I could advance back to my current level within a couple of days. End quote. He adds that any gear he had would be obsolete by Paragon level 240 anyway, although this does beg the question of just how much of a, quote, punishment this option would be. Many users on the game subreddit are unconvinced by Silky Pico's argument. Most of the upvoted comments simply say, don't cheat next time, and suggest that, quote, you can roll your character back by creating a new one. Some say that those hit with orb deficits should be simp- should simply be banned outright, and that allowing them to simply pay off the balance and continue on playing encourages players to take advantage of sketchy services in the future, knowing that the potential punishment is simply having to pay full price if you are caught out. When asked for comment, Blizzard provided PC Games N with the following statement, quote, We want to ensure a fair playing field for everyone in Diablo Immortal. Part of this effort involves taking action when we see players participate in fraudulent purchases. Upon investigation of community concerns surrounding suspicious Eternal Orb purchases, we found accounts in violation of the Blizzard End User Agreement. We made extensive investigations to verify accounts that participated in these activities and took a variety of disciplinary measures. We will continue to monitor and take corrective actions as needed. So there's a little bit more in here, but what I'm getting from this is that This guy, Silky Pico, thinks that, oh, you know, just roll back my character as punishment. And, you know, I could totally just get back to where I was in a few days. Probably wasn't the smartest thing to say to a news organization reporting about this kind of thing. And in addition, I cannot think of any examples where someone has bought things from a third party uh, off-site, not connected to Blizzard, had been caught out, and then had Blizzard say, oh, it's okay. You know, that's not going to happen. That's a lot of money that Blizzard was hoping these people, these whales, would actually purchase from Blizzard, not from third party. So, yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're not really keen on uh, getting in trouble in Diablo Immortal, just don't buy stuff from third party. You know, just like play the game like it's intended and you should be fine. There's also a follow-up on Diablo Immortal, a technical support thing, also written by Pez Radar on September 9th or September 10th, something like that. He writes, Hello, everyone. Over the past week, we have been investigating reports from a small group of players who reported items not received from their in-game Diablo Immortal purchases. We have positively identified the root cause, a bug affecting a narrow window in the checkout process, and deployed a hotfix earlier today to ensure no new purchases should encounter this issue. We're now focused on identifying accounts that were affected so we can move forward and deliver the missing items. We will share more details soon. So if you missed something that you paid for, it's probably coming to you, probably in your mail. One of the things that the Blizzard accounts on Twitter, at least, have been uh, mentioning is the Hungering Moon event, which just started on the 9th. Today's the 10th as I'm recording this very early in the 10th, but yeah, it is. So that's um, a repeating thing that they do. We have to go around and like do some bounties and go through certain dungeons and collect up these little like moon-shaped things. And hopefully, if you play long enough, you can get the box in the middle, like treasure box to open up. I haven't spent enough time to be doing that but 
as I'm going to be fighting a sinus infection, I'm probably going to be playing video games more than anything else lately. And uh, just to get through that. So this current hungering moon event started on September 9th at 3 o'clock a.m. and will end at September 12th on 3 o'clock a.m. server time. There's also some other events going on, um, and I'll link to this uh, post that's got all this information in, in the show notes so you can see all the different things going on at the same time. Big Daddy Den, also known as Anthony Evans, made a YouTube video called Ride the Lightning God Mode Demon Hunter Greater Speeds Season 27 2.7.4 Diablo 3 Build Guide. So if you are playing a Demon Hunter in the current Season 27 of Diablo 3, this might be something you want to check out. He's one of these guys that does really good videos about how to do these things and what kind of builds you need or might want to try this kind of thing. And so I'll have that in the show notes for you as well. And that's really all I've got this time around. Like I said, it was going to be kind of a short show. So I'm going to close the show here and um, that'll be the end for this one. You have been listening to episode 376 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone in Diablo 3, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on the Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 36, nope, nope, <laughs> 376 of Shattered Soulstone. <laughs> I'm doing real good today, oh my god.